Hi, it's Society Owes Me Eugenics Podcast, the pod where we go A to X through grunge, indie, alt rock, pop, movies, soundtracks, TV, and general generation catalogue and goodness. Hi, Hannah, my co host. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yep, yeah, sprightly this morning. Co skipper, actually, <laughs> on social media. Do you like that? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I think this is the earliest we've ever recorded a podcast. I know, we've really we've got on it, and you've brought coffee, and we've got all kinds of delicious goodies and muffins and Reese's. no gin no bacon fries in sight it's tea and yeah it's the morning edit. muffins mm. all right not to be one of those shit type of podcasts <laughs> that talk about their personal lives constantly at the beginning let's get into it because today today finally here yes it's the levelers and leveling the land from 91 yeah absolute peach of an album the only good thing to come out of the thatcher government (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so fantastic so i'm gonna do the odds today hannah's doing the evens which she once again regrets that coin toss that we did way back where we decided that this was going to dictate all of our shared albums and and i have to say i am really lucky today although if we were doing the original issue it would have skewed everything not that much they're all good that's the that's the thing. I mean, maybe we should have traded. <laughs> no, you're right. They are they are all good. But also, um, apparently, they don't exist in lots of parts of the internet. All my usual places that I go to to research kind of failed me a little bit. So yeah, um, it was slim pickings on the surface layer of the internet for sure. <laughs> I, I came up against the same thing. Um, in fact, at one point, I was like, hmm, I don't know, because I mean the. The beauty of the album is that it is a collection of protest songs, you know, in the in the old um, tradition of, of protest songs. Mm-hmm. But that can also make it difficult because most albums are a mixed bag and you've got, you know, these lyrics coming from this situation and then this and that and, you know, someone's whole kind of the fabric of an entire band and all of their lives. Whereas it's fairly self-explanatory. I think you, you said just before we started to record... There's no unpicking of, of lyrics. It's yeah. very... You're right, they are all protest songs. I mean, you could almost call it a, a, a concept album, except it's not, because they are actually protesting. There's no concept about it. Yeah, they take it one step further, and that's another <laughs> beautiful thing about the album, is they're not just saying it like, you know, oh, I wish it wasn't like this, isn't it shit? They're like, yeah, and we're also, you know... That, I mean, this, to be fair, this is their activism, but it brings people together it gets a message across. It makes people think, you know. I do think about when I stick it on in the car and I'm driving along. And it does make you think of those issues, you know. Because they're not that... Well, we'll get into it, but some of those issues are not that dissimilar. Yeah, from, things haven't changed too much. No, tragically. Tragically not. So, I guess we'll um, we'll start at the, at the beginning, which is always an excellent place to start. Um, so, this is their second album. The first was A Weapon Called The Word. And they, I didn't ever think of them just like this, but they're described as folk punk, which is perfect. Mm. But I think in at the time, I didn't. To me, they were a folk band. It was just loud, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah. it's totally true. They are absolutely uh, punk. You know, they that whole kind of um, counterculture scene, wasn't it? From the sort of... Yeah, 80s. punk with a fiddle. No, no harmonic, harmonica. Oh, Maybe the didgeridoo, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, it's my understanding that they all met in squats and at festivals and gatherings 
where they were playing their instruments and, and collecting <coughs> songs and well I think Mark and who was it Jeremy I think met met here well not not that far away from here at the Eagle Pub <laughs> down the road in Brighton yeah not not in Hove actually but in Brighton yeah back in 1998 apparently Jeremy was trying to set his base 1988 what did I say 98 yeah, <laughs> yeah 88 Jeremy was trying to sell his base and Mark was trying to pull Jeremy's girlfriend apparently you know what I love is Jeremy is known as Jeremy Leveller <laughs> which is awesome <laughs> so he's the guy with the red dreads which he still has to this oh, day oh does he I mean, yes talk about like proper commitment to that hair oh, as brilliant. well brilliant yeah. Jeremy Leveller is <laughs> his common name I don't even know what his last name is actually maybe he doesn't have a last name maybe he's like Madonna no he does it's Cunningham it's Cunningham which (laughs) reminds me of uh, Mr Cunningham from Hollyoaks who used to uh, attend our our, uh, like freshers discos at uni and then like get off with fresh you should probably cut that out as well (laughs) ew yeah he's gross I didn't mention his real name Mr Cunningham was his character name I don't know what his real name was dirty old man I don't know either but that is gross Mm. I had a lovely art teacher at school called Mr. Cunning. Oh, okay. Now I say it, I'm like, what's that his name? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Very talented artist. All right. Um, so the album was recorded at Ridge Farm Studios, which, as we know, is famous for us. Sorry. Um, it's between Dorking and Horsham, which is very local to us. Uh, because 10, Pearl Germs 10, was mixed there. Although the band, I don't think, was ever actually in Dorking. God, speaking of Pearl Jam, some sad, sad news today, yeah. eh? Gosh, really sorry to anyone who was going to Vegas and Sacramento. Brandon. In, in, in particular, Brandon, yeah. Oh, just so gutted for you seeing that post. It was like, because he, he'd also posted just a little bit earlier. This is Brandon from Better Band Podcast, all about Pearl Jam. And he'd put um, a picture of his negative COVID test. Oh, God, no. So he was good to go. He was in mm. the car, you know. So, oh, I just, I'd be devastated, absolutely devastated. Awful. Get well soon, Jeff and Matt. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're obviously out there. Really because you've got nothing else to do now. Yeah, yeah. The show cannot go on. So they all need to get better. Or they all need to get it now. Maybe, do you think they're sort of together in a hotel room doing like kids with chicken pox? You know? Oh, oh right. Trying to kiss Jeff. Oh. <laughs> Give him a nice big wet kiss on the mouth. Get that COVID. Let's get this over with. Oh dear. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway um, Ridge Farm Studios also um, famous for hosting, well, obviously, many, many amazing bands such as Queen recorded there. Oasis. Just reel off some Oasis. Um, I know, I'll know it when I hear it, but I can't remember the album now. Oasis albums? Uh, what's yeah. Throw Morning Glory? No. Before that. Uh, definitely, maybe. No. There wasn't anything before that. Okay, uh, then after forward. that, I'm not interested. <laughs> I what came after I feel like that. it was shorter uh, than that. A couple of short words. Okay, great research. Well done, Lily. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, also, Muse, uh, Supergrass, Thin Lizzy, how epic is that? And Bad Company. Oh, um, I just found out that Lily Moore's dad is the guitarist out of Thin Lily. Thin Lily, Thin Lizzy. <laughs> Thank you. Did you know that? Shut up. Yeah. No. Gary Moore was in Thin Lizzy. Lily Moore's dad. Yes. Holy crap. No, I did not know that. That's an amazing fun fact. And you just saw her. I did. I did. On Saturday night. Yeah. And I was, I was, she was at the bar after the gig uh, with this old man and, um, and, and a friend who was in loads of her music videos. They must be like best buddies. But I couldn't tell if she was like trying to get rid of the old man. Um, 
or not and said to Chris like oh maybe she needs saving <laughs> maybe we can go and save Lily Moore and her friend uh, and then I thought oh maybe it was her dad so you, so <laughs> you I didn't, don't know the answer we didn't we didn't save you didn't her no. muscle in between no them. I just ordered another <laughs> margarita <laughs> oh shut up you had margaritas without me that's wrong yeah, oh, you have to. I did. I did invite you over you my husband. I will say, you, you but then declined. when I said I couldn't go, you should have stayed home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> or at least had the decency to drink beer. God. Anyway, bad company. Recorded there. Uh, Simon Kirk. Now I want to say he's the drummer. I'm pretty sure he's the drummer. Simon Kirk got married at the farm. Incidentally, it's hang now, on. Who's Simon Kirk? He's the drummer for Bad Company. Oh right. Okay. I thought we were talking about the Levelers, right? Uh, well, we are, but this is at the studio, Ridge Farm Studios. Right. Um, and Simon Kirk's daughter is famously known as Jemima Kirk, who is Jessa in HBO Girls, the show that I mention every week, just to make sure. Yes, and I still have your DVD box set in and my Hannah drawer. And still has watched it. Yes, yes. And I don't I know will. why you're denying yourself this joy, but you need to get on it because I do. It's fantastic. I do. Anyway, uh, what else about Glastonbury? Uh, uh, no, what else about Levelers? They played the main stage at Glastonbury in 92, which is pretty epic considering. Mm. Yeah, it was like, uh, wasn't it like the biggest, biggest Glastonbury crowd ever or something? I've got a fact somewhere about that in my notes. I don't know. Yeah, it was almost like a new time of Glastonbury, wasn't it? It was like Glastonbury kind of dropped off a bit after the 70s, I feel like. It was still going and everything, but it was very traveller identified. Yeah. And then things started to change. Um, and probably because it got some more mainstream popularity. But um, fun fact is... Um, oh, that was it, yeah. Record crowd of 300,000 people. Mm. And I, I, I'm curious to know, to know like how much they were paid for that or if they did it for free because I found another fact that said that they once turned down 250 grand to headline the Reading Festival because they despised its commercialism. That's absolutely true. I read an interview with Jeremy Leveller in 93 saying just that. He said they started bidding at 100 grand and it just kept going up and they kept saying no because they were like, no, you're, too, you're corporate whores. We don't like you. <laughs> wow. And now they have their own festival. Does it still, does it still yes. happen? Beautiful days. That is some, that is some serious commitment yeah. to the issues here. Yes, the Levelers Festival is in Devon. Devon. Uh, it's called Beautiful Days. And it is happening. It didn't happen last year. Obvs, COVID. But I don't understand why it's in De- I mean, Devon is lovely, obviously. Um, but why didn't they do it in Brighton? Like well, probably on. closer to travelling communities. We well, they could. They here. could bloody travel to Brighton. They could, but when they do, people get upset. I think you remember when they brought their horses <laughs> and that <That's> true. <laughs> <laughs> to Hove Lawns. No one appreciated it, yeah. you know. Uh, but anyway, if you fancy it, it's going on at nineteen uh, from the nineteenth to the twenty-first of August this year. Hopefully, if everything goes well. Um, but yeah, so. Playing at Glastonbury 92, obviously a massive, um, massive thing for the band. Um, but apparently Jeremy and some of the rest of the band had travelled, because Jeremy lived in a van mm. as well, still committing to the cause there. He's still living in his van. You know, I... And they, do you know, I, yeah, I sorry, tell go, you on, go on, go on, go on. You keep distracting me and I'm going to lose my place. <laughs> I have to tell you about the travellers. Hannah, go on. It's devastating. They were moved on six miles away... Because the Glastonbury organisers allegedly didn't want the travellers parking their crusty asses near the uh, now fucking people paying a fortune. Ooh. They had to stay six miles away and then he had to hitch to his own gig as a headliner to Glastonbury. 
Did they not the know they booked? That's insane. He said the only time he had a star moment was when he was hitching a ride to his show and going, fucking hell, don't you know who <laughs> I am? <laughs> Jeremy fucking Leveller. <laughs> right. So I was at, have you, I want to know what this van looks like. Because I was at a festival, like Victoria's Festival in Portsmouth last year, and we parked up by this van that just had loads of Leveller's um, like stickers and stuff all over it. No other bands, just the Leveller's. And I thought, oh, that could Is be it them. Painted? It, uh, no, I think it was white, but with like, you know, Leveller's logos and things in, I don't know, pink and purple and stuff. I know, it was well, a white van. Jeremy does all the art. He does all the all the covers and the woodcuts and stuff. That's Jeremy. Uh, okay. Do I feel like if it was his van? Oh yeah, he did that rolling A with the rolling anarchy thingy, didn't he? I feel like he would have. Yeah, yeah maybe it would have been a little bit that. more ATT. Yeah, it was. But now I'm going to make it my mission in life to uh, find that van and see what it looks like. I don't know if he still lives in it now, but he he definitely lived in it for most of the nineties. As per interviews I read with him. Well, yeah, I mean, handy for touring. Right, let's play some fucking music because there's people who maybe aren't familiar with this glorious. Yes, do, but I did just want to pick you up on your the You're only rock star the thing that you ever did. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, let's start off with One Way then, which is one of yours. But yes, it isn't the only rock star thing he's done. So I was reading an, an interview with them, um, I think from The Guardian a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, but my fact was from 93. Mm, I don't know when this happened because this was him recapping. I mean, they weren't being rock stars again in 2019. You know, they're, they're, they're old men now. And <gasps> I mean, they are. They, they, they themselves say they are. That now they'd rather, like, just There goes that interview with Mark again. <laughs> They've said it themselves in interviews that I've listened to. Uh, but, yeah, he's, where is it? Okay. All right, so I've got a bit from, from, from the article that said, um, because, because of, like, you know, they're... Because they were crusties, and I mean that in the nicest possible No, sense. they're not crusties. Crusties drink cider and throw up on themselves. Okay. I'm not saying that didn't happen. Well, they were lumped in with, you know, like, come on, they were a crusty band. They were. No, that's what your the beloved NME said. And you know what happened to that guy, don't you? Well, yeah. Well, yes, I've got that in my notes as well. When he gave the levelling the land. I don't know who it was, though. Do you know who the journalist was? Something Collins. I don't know. I've got it in my yeah, notes. Yeah, Mark. Oh no, it was Jeremy, I think. Was, I think it was Jeremy. Sent him some poo in a box. <laughs> Nicely gift wrapped. Yes, he said it wasn't one of his proudest moments. And he wrapped a turd. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what I'm trying to say... Andrew is Collins, sorry. Andrew Collins. Oh dear. Yeah, pleasant. So yeah, um, people, because they were like hippies, all right, is that better? Yeah. Folk punks, right? Folk well, punks Because right, they were folk punks. It doesn't work so well, though. Because they were folk punks, they had a puritanical image. Okay, so uh, Jeremy said that people thought that they were outselling the socialist worker or something, but apparently at the peak of their success, um, they were just as prone to as much ridiculous rock star behaviour as any other band in sudden possession of money and surrounded by people keen to indulge them. Who said uh, this? Uh, this is the Guardian article. Fucking Guardian. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> the Gorniad. And, uh, yeah, so there was uh, an instance where um, there was a television thrown out of a hotel window, but Jeremy said that it was an A&R man who wanted to throw the telly out of the window, but he didn't have the bottle to do it. So Mark <laughs> Chadwick took charge instead, ripped the TV from the wall, pulled out the cabling and dispensed a lot onto the street below. And Mark said himself, he said, I had a shower, got into bed, next thing I knew, I had a torch in my eyes and it was the Met saying, come on, Sonny, there'd been a guy in a telephone box who'd phoned the police. But he never showed up as a witness, so they got away with it. Nice. Well, I mean, I'm, fucking hell, the bands that have gone away with that shit. 
Ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm surprised to hear they're in a hotel, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were rock stars then. Um, we the van had to go in for us. Um, yeah, go on. Okay. It's yours. One way. One way is very self-explanatory. It's just, yeah, do, do it the way you want it. Don't let people bully you into this or that. Mark has said in an interview, if we hadn't done the band, we might be dead. Or corporate accountants, we, we don't know, but, you know, we've just committed to, we wanted to live in, in a certain way, and everyone should be free to do that too. And that's, you know, the whole kind of core of who the levelers are, is, uh, is not to allow government too many liberties with your liberties. And, uh, and that comes back to, to their name, doesn't it? Yes, what's a leveller, Lily? Well, Hannah, I feel like... <laughs> We should defer to your greater wisdom on the subject. Why do I have the greater wisdom on it? Because I knew you'd research it, so I didn't. I I did I do know what they are. Okay, well, they're 17th century radical democracy. (laughs) See, I've stumbled over it. Uh, It was a 17th century radical democracy movement founded in England during the English Civil War. Hmm. Committed to... They were very progressive. Yeah. Equal rights. Um, Suffrage. All that cool stuff. You didn't research this at all, did you, Lily? See, I just had that one sentence. No, I'm just saying. (laughs) Oh, oh. Oh, Oh, one intro, this song. You are lucky to have this one. This is great. Carry on, though. Did you have anything to add? Um, I was just going to point out the, um, one of the lyrics in One Way is circling A's on the underpass, which is the anarchist symbol of the A with a circle around it. Yes. Um, just reflecting the activism of the 80s, you know, um, We've got Live Aid, we've got Thatcher, we've got Miner Strike, Birmingham and Brixton riots, massive inflation, and um, the campaign for nuclear disarmament and the resurgence of the CND as a Cold War response. So people were really scared. Yeah, yeah, and then later on the Criminal Justice Act that they were massively involved in campaigning against. We're a little bit pre that, but yeah, it was already starting to happen because obviously they lived in squats and they kept, you know, people that lived as a traveller were getting moved on and they had less and less rights to go where they wanted and stay where they wanted and Glastonbury uh, played a key role in um, supporting these causes. Uh, because the festival has long-term uh, campaigning relationships with CND from 81 to 90. Yeah. Greenpeace from 92, obviously, to this day, and Oxfam as well. Yep. Right, so this is the game. We've got uh, a lot of fiddle on this. So the fiddle's provided by John Sevink, who um, uh, is Mark's, or was Mark's girlfriend's brother. Yeah, he, he's the one that wears a little top, like a battered top hat. He is, yes. He's, uh, he's quite funny. Um... I'd, this song, I couldn't find much on it, but I mean, it's pretty obvious from the lyrics. Um, it's about gambling in a pub, I think, as far as I can tell. Maybe it's poker, I don't know. Cracking chorus. So many cracking choruses on many this Many levels, album. isn't it? It's like you play the game and you get yeah. this gold watch at the end of your servitude to the to the man. Yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, it's the piddle is good though, isn't it? I'm not a big fan of fiddle, but yes, I don't mind it in this. Really? Yeah, yeah. I but, think um, it's so versatile because you can, it can sound so mournful, and there's definitely songs in here that's just weeping. Yes. And and then other times where it's like this, really aggressive and immediate, and I'm loving that. He puts the punk in folk <laughs> fiddle. Put the wink yeah. into wink. Have you ever seen this? This guy that periodically does. He's probably around Brighton at the moment, actually doing stuff for, for the for the festival. But you know when they have at the weekends during the Brighton festival, they have all the street performances yeah, down yeah, in town. Yeah. 
there's a guy who's amazing and he's a fiddler, but he fiddles on like a slack line really high up. He's oh, wow. really impressive. And they actually, maybe it's John. He looks a bit like John's. <laughs> I think he oh might have I don't know. Let's get down there <laughs> But yeah, really, really impressive. Um, so, do you want some fun facts about John Servink? I sure do. Uh, okay, so on the Levelers um, website, they've got some little like uh, band member profiles, um, and he said some, some quite amusing things. Um, so he's asked, do you have a ritual that you always do before you go on stage? And he says he walks, walks straight and right, jump up and down for a bit, check ugliness of crowd, take fiddle from current stage slave, check tuning, take stage and shout, hello Cleveland. <laughs> um, oh, he's a bit of a joker. He said, uh, uh, when, he, when asked if the situation were to arise, would you ever play a gig before the royal family? He said, I didn't know they had a band. <laughs> And then another, another, another fact, which is not fun, actually, you won't, you won't like this, but it did remind me of, I did a similar thing, but in a nice, in a, in not in a psychopathic way. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, wait to hear what you're about to so say. He was like, what was the most rebellious thing you did at school? And he said, he killed the school goldfish and stick insects no. with nitric acid. <gasps> now, I did not do anything of the kind, but on our last day of school, our little prank was to put goldfish in the, uh, in the uh, in the basins in the in the staff room, um, but then they were all rescued and put in my friend Julia's pond. Afterwards. Why would you kill a stick insect? That's so mean. Well, what about a poor bloody goldfish? I know, but I've moved on from the goldfish. <laughs> the, Three know, second memories, fine. I feel like stick insects were a constant thing in our classrooms mm. in in the eighties in mean, England. How did he find the stick insect in but the first place? Why don't they place? have them now? Like Very that's kind of weird, actually, isn't it? Didn't we? Every single yeah. classroom I had had stick insects. Yeah. My kids have never even fucking seen a stick insect. I thought they had a stick insect maybe in reception. Mm. Just seems like they were really prevalent and to the point that I thought they lived in British hedges. Where do they come they from? They don't. They're kind of tropical. Oh. Bring back stick insects. I think they're from Indonesia or something. I might be lying. Maybe it's a health and safety thing. I don't mean to lie, but I, I, I think I, I only had that recent sort of realisation that they don't live in England in, in privet hedges because I know they eat privet. Thank you, primary school education in England for that little nugget. But See, they'd be a good pet, actually, wouldn't they? Pretty low maintenance. Oh my God, they're perfect. Don't have to take them for a walk. Yeah. They generally just look like foliage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have them in a nice, what, those very, what, terrariums? The terrarium. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Which is actually a vivarium. <laughs> Sneaky. Oh my God, get one for your new kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Right, okay, over to you with... Ah, okay. So this was the one that was not on the original 10-song issue. Yes, this is one of... of, uh, A big fan favourite, anyway. 15 years. Got that urgent fiddle as well. I didn't know you didn't like It's so good. No, I don't mind it on this. I mean, you know, it is the levelers, isn't it? I feel like if I... And I might, if I ever did like any kind of screenplay for something, an opening, you know, where there was some kind of uh, montage rushing around type thing, any kind of levelers uh, track from this album would make the best music for that, mm. you know? This is, is a particularly great intro. So it's about the devil drink. Boozing uh, will take it all from you. Gin is bad for you. I'm pretty glad, yeah, that we're um, drinking tea. Everything in moderation, even moderation. (laughs) Oscar Wilde, isn't it? Yeah, Um, yeah, the guy in the song uh, knocks about his wife. 
pisses away all his money and loses the lady in the end anyway. And realises he's ruined her life as well. That, kids, is what heavy drinking will do to you. So basically he's fucked and it's a cautionary tale. Slightly less political than one. <laughs> but as you said, it wasn't on the original, it was an EP that came out the next year, I think. Mm. 92 so but we are going to include it because it's a massive fan favourite and it, even though it wasn't on the original album so yeah I haven't even pointed out which I have done many times before that this band was my very first gig in Brighton at the Brighton Centre and it was amazing oh my god I really thought they set the bar pretty high for gigs because it was a carnival yeah I can imagine in their hometown as well it must have been amazing how it old really were you 13? I was nearly 14 yeah Aww. so it was in late I think it was, well, no, actually, it was anyway, early-ish December, because they were on tour then, and they'd just done Brixton, I think, and, oh, yeah, so the Brighton Centre is a conference centre where mm. all of the political parties do, you know, conferences uh, every now and then, um, and, you know, they're only one little band, and Back to the Planet were one of the backup acts, and I don't remember the other one, but you've got a whole programme, and it was all... Um, you know, illustrated by presumably Jeremy. Well, that doesn't happen anymore, does it? Or maybe it um, doesn't. Lemon's gigs. Lyrics. Um, there was an old lady knitting in the toilet. But like proper traveller up. Traveler yeah, yeah. Up. There was a guy in stilts. There was a guy on a unicycle. And it was just, it was a whole circus. So bright. It was amazing. So lovely. It was super bright. <laughs> so, you know, coming to Brighton with all my friends to watch this gig was just unbelievable. Exciting. What were you wearing? I don't know. I can only tell you for sure that I was wearing DM boots because I know that is fact. Cheesecloth, crochet. Oh, 100% cheesecloth. Yeah, some love beads. <laughs> um, probably my Levi 501s, which are not really made for women. <laughs> but when you're 13, it's fine. You get away with all sorts. And oh. yeah, I think there was about like 20 of us all went. And it was, it was kind of weird because you don't know what to expect. You're like, okay, I'm just going to stand there and see what happens, you know. But then it just takes you. Yeah. yeah. Music and we had... Um, the tape was doing the rounds where everyone was like taping the tape off the tape, uh, the cassette tape. So, it's like Chinese whispers. We all <laughs> shitter and shitter quality. I feel bad because I never bought the album because, you know, we were 13 year olds and we didn't have any money. But I feel like Jeremy and uh, Mark and Co would forgive me for that as a 13 year old fan. <laughs> well, I suppose in those days you could actually make money from touring a little bit. I just wish... Um, there were pictures and stuff of that because it really was epic and I've never been to anything like that since. So I really was excited. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realise it. Gigs are like this. You know, I thought people kind of mooched along. It was all very kind of cool. Like, oh, I don't even know if I like the band. And it wasn't. But uh, yeah, what what an introduction to live music. God, oh, it was brilliant. fantastic. My and they were, they were incredible. Yeah, I bet. A bit different from mine. Mine was Radiohead. Slightly different <laughs> vibe. <laughs> and some <Superclass. laughs> You know, when we did the movie tournament, one of the first things that Project NX said was like, I'm sorry, I hope I don't hurt your feelings because I don't like Radiohead. Ooh. <laughs> and I was like, don't worry, you won't upset me, but Hannah might. <laughs> You've heard how tense Hannah gets. <laughs> she might have to come over and sort you out. Just saying. Oh, but on the fashion stuff, like, so, so I am slightly conflicted when it comes to the Lovelies. Because I did really love them. It, so to be honest, Leveling the Land isn't my favourite Leveling's album. So the <gasps> one that was really my... Like, I love it. But the one that I was, like, absolutely obsessed with was the, the next one, the eponymous Leveling's album. And I had the, the Julie EP and the Belarus EP. Um, I think they must have came... They must have come out slightly before the album, I don't know. <coughs> 
Uh, and I absolutely love those, particularly Belarus. Um, but then, yeah, I, I was massively influenced by the music press. So I went from, I would say probably like when I was, I don't know, maybe like 11 to 13, I loved all of the hippie stuff. So any like fancy dress parties at school and stuff, I'd be wearing my little cheesecloth. I had an orange cheesecloth crop top, um, like a tie-dyed uh, uh, skirt from Kensington Market. I had like this awful like tie-dyed crocheted like baggy jumper and stuff and I'd have the little John Lennon glasses yes. loved it and you know like I loved all like my mum's old you know clothes from the oh, from the crushed 70s velvet hat. oh just <laughs> my dad had a, um, a crushed velvet wedding he, he in fact it must still be in my parents attic somewhere but he got married in a like crushed velvet uh purple um suit Damn. with flares and like the massive lapels you and like prince <laughs> no not quite <laughs> I'm going to need to see a picture of this. (laughs) Yeah, well, and then my mum kept her, like, she didn't have a proper wedding dress. She had, like, this sort of, like, Mexican, like, folk dress. Like, I didn't like it. The collar, it had, like, a really high collar and stuff. But she still got that. Have you seen it? (laughs) Oh, yes, I wear it as a fancy dress on Day of the Dead to go (laughs) trick-or-treating. Lovely. (laughs) But, yeah, my brother and I used to dress up in in those. Anyway, what was my point? Um, What was I telling you about? Yes, and then... It must have been stuff that I read in the NME. It was like, oh, you know, like... Yeah. And I went from loving yeah. all of the hippie yeah. culture to rejecting it completely, being a bit of a hippie hater. And I guess that probably would have been, I don't know, around 94. And I, like, you know, once I then got into, like, Britpop and all of that, and then it was all, like, Adidas and, and what have you. But when I was in my big hippie phase, I handmade, with one of my dad's old waistcoats, did, like, my own patchwork levelers, heavily levelers-inspired waistcoat all patchworked up. And um, one of my classmates at school, she collected people's old, people's dad's old ties and made this amazing skirt out of them. Um, yeah, absolutely loved it. And I remember thinking like, you know, I'm just going to live off, off the earth and only like make my own clothes. <laughs> well, <laughs> Didn't the, the fact is Brit, Brit, Brit Pop has a lot to answer for, for destroying some classic British culture there because same, I was into the Beatles the love beads, the high-collared, you know, Victorian-type shirts, velvet jackets that are bought in charity shops. God bless the charity shops. I'm still there. I'm still doing it. <laughs> Recycle. <laughs> and it was like a whole culture thing. And then, yeah, Britpop like, was just like swept it away. Like, no, 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 no. You want to buy these brand-new Stan Smiths. You want to buy this overpriced Kangol fucking piece of shit hat. And yeah. True, but at the same time, you could, could also argue that they, you know, they, you know, they... they they revived the British music scene as well. You know, it was all like, you know, well, American. Doing that in 91. So fuck off, boys. <laughs> well, okay, so the enemy killed it. Britpop no, it, came in and revived like, it. It's like the Neanderthals and the Homo sapiens. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't mean that. I'm saying that, you know, more kind of the people that are already here, earthy, yeah. we all get along, mm. ban the bomb and peace and love and let's protest the government and we need our rights and we should be able to pitch up our tent anywhere and all that kind of thing. And then there was that kind of battle. Yeah, then Liam Gallagher rocks up. And Britpop, shits it all. Yeah, <laughs> won, basically. Yeah. Um, but down in Brighton, it was a lot harder to notice those changes because, of course, Brighton is so very extremely alternative. I mean, it's so kind of almost, you know, whitewashed these days compared to how it was when I was a teenager, everything was super alternative and you would see all sorts, but not fashion, fashion. Like maybe at the top of town where all the big shops were, where your River Island and that Yeah, way. yeah, yeah. But down in the lanes, we, I mean, we never went up there, really. 
until Primark opened <laughs> became whores along with the rest of the world for a one pound t-shirt but we were poor come on I feel like when Mark did, and Jeremy would understand when did Primark open that wasn't the yeah. 90s was it yeah it was, like it's yeah. a lot newer oh it was Blimey. a huge deal for Gosh. us poor little yeah, girls that worked in a t-shop on the weekend so I feel like that's a way more recent addition to the high street blimey we're old anyway um where are we at I think it is uh, you. Ah, the boatman. So we have actually discussed this already, haven't we, on the boat pod that we recorded on the lovely... Yes, and uh, if you want to know what it's about, you should go and listen to it. No, but I'm not, <laughs> not going to leave it there. But I'm just saying, we did talk about the Battle of the Beanfield, so let's leave that till we talk about the Battle of the Beanfield, the track, um, in terms of that aspect of it. Yeah, well, I wasn't really going to say anything. Because it isn't really on the nose anyway. <laughs> But apparently it's about, yeah. I was going to say, if you want to hear more about this, check out Lily's explanation back on the boat. And then throw it in the bin. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I was actually going to repeat a fact that you mentioned on there, because I I quite like it. It goes back to uh, Glastonbury 1992. And uh, you said that Simon said, um, he changed the lyrics a bit, and uh, he instead said, if I could choose a life that... I lead, then I would be a spaceman. I'd take LSD and XD and I'd be off my face, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Good one, Mark. <laughs> so, yeah, super folky, mega fiddly. And I think I said on there as well, it's not my favourite level is tune, but. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. It's then. fine. Um, John does a cracking job of the fiddle here. It's just gorgeous. It's very, it's one of the mournful types. It is. It's mega folky. It's. it's Possibly slightly too folky for my liking. Uh, wrong, but okay. okay. Um, I put being free, unfettered, and uninvolved in the petty and destructive activities of the rest of the world. AKA Britpop. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we've all had those moments where it's like, you know what, you know what I need to do? I need to move to like a, maybe not a yurt, but like a farm. You know, maybe get a flock, a flock of sheep. You know, I don't need this shit. Tell you what I would never do is be a boatman. Oh my god, I'm the worst boat traveller <laughs> ever. Do you know what, last, every time I go on a boat, I say, no, no, it's a narrow never, boat. Ever again. No, no, but I can't even handle like... <laughs> what, really? Yeah, no. They do it like one mile an hour. No, I, I can't do any form of... We recorded on the boat pod. <laughs> that wasn't moving, it rocked a bit actually. I did, yeah. Did you nearly... Slightly, thunder. yeah, a bit of anxiety there. The you never mentioned it. Well, no, I was trying really hard. Yeah. No, so the last time I went on a bit in Brighton, uh, just to keep it relevant, so uh, my friend Tyson from, uh, a uni friend, but from Bradford, and he lived in Brighton for a bit, and uh, for a few years whilst he was down here, he would like have his own sort of little festival called Tea Fest, as in like Tyson Fest, and it was just an excuse to invite, you know, mates from all of different parts of his life. No, to come down to Brighton for a bit with me. Made <laughs> festivals and called it after themselves. It's not an so one, at all. <laughs> no, it's lovely. <laughs> uh, but one one of these tea fests, uh, my husband and I went down, but like everyone else had been, like, obviously we lived in Brighton, so you know we weren't staying in the big Airbnb or whatever that the rest of them had. And they'd all been up drinking and we met in the Weatherspoons down by Brighton Marina. Uh, and they'd all had like a massive um, fry up and everything. And Chris and I, I don't think we had. I think this was when we like we were we were quite serious runners back then. So we'd you know we'd we'd, we'd uh, we weren't drinking so much, and uh, we'd had our muesli for breakfast or whatever. And we rocked up, got on this boat to go mackerel fishing. Uh, the conditions weren't great, but you know 
god, how bad can it be? Oh my god, it was so bad. So after about half an hour, someone did have to ask the skipper to just turn back. I think 14 out of the 17 people on the boat chundered over the side. It was just like delightful story. Thank you for sharing this. All over the place. Oh god. Between between all of us, between all of us, we caught two mackerel, right? And then the worst thing is. after having caught these two mackerel, the plan was then to have a bit of a barbecue on Hove Lawns. You know, barbecue said fish. Um, someone forgot to gut them and they just exploded on the uh, on the barbecue. I never want to hear this story ever again. Because <laughs> I feel sick from talking about being people being sick. And now you're talking about mackerel? <laughs> Forget the exploding Yeah, part. I'm never going mackerel fishing ever again. Ew. But it did remind me of something else that makes me uh, slightly nauseous. And uh, once I find it, I'll be able to tell you what it is. Uh, yes, it, I believe it was Simon of the band. And we haven't talked about Simon Friend at all, which is a disgrace, but uh, Simon is another valuable member of, of the Levs, as they affectionately name each other. Do you want me to put Liberty song on yet? Or not? not yet. No. Um, he's not in the Levelers anymore, though, I don't think. He's, in, he's sitting out the pandemic in Scotland, apparently. Or maybe that's slightly out of date news now. Well, I think in about, I think it was 2013 or 14, um, they were playing Guildfest. Okay. Or they had, uh, they were at the Cambridge Folk Festival, that's where they were, and uh, they were interviewed. And uh, Simon said, uh, Simon said, but you Simon, said. <laughs> Simon said, Mumford and Sons, they're nice fellas, but it is just music by numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I knew I loved the levelers, but now I love them even more because they're so fucking right. <laughs> and I saw. I'm sorry, but when I saw them with their stupid little hats and the imitation, sort of, it was like, oh God, you don't get it at all. Because the whole point of the level is, is they're saying something. It yes. isn't just, look, anyone, like Mark has said in interviews, anyone can sing. Okay, not anyone. Well, literally anyone can sing, but some, a lot of people can sing well. If you're not singing anything particular, you're kind of wasting everybody's time. And I love that. Yes, although in their defence, so I get it, I get it, and I think Mumford have you know gone the way of of Coldplay largely. <laughs> but I did like you know when when um, when when I was without wanting to sound like a total tit when I was travelling around New Zealand, it was the only CD. Too late. Uh, it was we only had we we had a, a rental car and we only had Angus and Julia Stone and Mumford and Sons whatever that first album was and we were travelling around for two weeks and they were literally the only two CDs that we had and I absolutely loved it we knew all of the words all of the songs um i don't know the names of any of the songs now but i get that they can't help being posh boys like that's not their fault like mark or whoever simon whoever said it is absolutely right you know they are not a protest band but you know yeah they were fine it is what it is but this here here's what annoys me is basically mumford and sons are the band the enemy were talking about back in 91 no, they're I don't think pretenders. that's true. No, no, that's no I don't all think that's bollocks. True. Yeah, but it's not even authentic. There's one thing you can say about the levelers. It's like, oh yeah, you're trying to jump on board of socialism, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. They were doing that. Mumford and Sons don't fucking do that. I don't, did they have a political message? I don't even know. Mumford and Sons? Yeah. Well, exactly. If you don't know, I thought and you they were to that album to all the way around New Zealand. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you now, they don't have a message. Yeah, so, so what's the problem? They're not pretending to have a message, so... Because they're using a form of... Uh, uh, listen, this isn't why I hate them. <laughs> I hate them because they're shit. <laughs> but as we're talking about bands getting pummeled for something, which isn't even true, but it is true of them. And, by the way, Mr. Collins, who received 
Jeremy Level has turned in the post, <laughs> which can you imagine receiving that at the office? That must have been hilarious. Did Sharon Osbourne do that as well? Yeah, she did. In a box, though, I think it was a little more delicate. This was gift wrap, apparently. Yeah, but I think Sharon did definitely one up Jeremy because she put it in a Tiffany box, which of course someone was very excited to receive. That is class. But he he actually he climbed down from his 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 rash comments in the enemy years later. It was when they reissued um, the, the album and uh, Collins wrote the sleeve notes for the reissued um, album, Levelling the Land, and now declares it to be one of their greatest achievements and was all gushy about it. Oh, so, yeah, because they didn't like it, did they? No, and um, what did I read? Uh, yeah, it made me think that what does talking about turds being left for people that you don't like, what does that remind you of? Uh, I don't know. Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, not, come on. Let's get every one pod no, without... Every pod. Oh, man. It's not my fault, but it keeps coming back up. And did you see that somebody... This really made me laugh. Somebody on Twitter changed Amber Heard's name to Amber Turd. Oh, no, on it. Well, that's old news. On IMDb. But it was it was on there for quite a long time before... Oh, on her official page? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of memes. It's been cracking me up all week. Um, so, yeah. Juvenile. Nice that it goes back to Johnny Depp and... He popped up again. Yeah, but talking about the levelers. Not what about Johnny Depp talking about the levelers? No, it was uh, Mark who was talking about this um, great mix tape that they now travel with. All right, and it was apparently um, compiled by Johnny Depp oh. and had his. It got Mumford and Sons on it. Fucking no, <laughs> absolutely not. You know, Mumford and Sons was the first gig that I saw after having my firstborn. It was a gig in Lewis, actually, not not far from here. Lewis, actually. It was the Gentleman of the Road. So it wasn't just Mumford and Sons, it was like Vampire Weekend and Deep Valley, who were very good. I've forgotten their name for a long time. Um, and yeah, I fell asleep 20 minutes into their set because I was so, so tired. <laughs> you know, that's what really happened in that van when you were in New Zealand, is you were actually asleep. <laughs> but you thought that you were conscious what it really did is it put you to sleep so anyone who's having trouble <laughs> get Mumford and Sons album but only illegally don't pay for it or anything <laughs> no that first album whatever it's called and whatever songs are on it still has a special place in my heart because it takes me back to some happy happy places I know but, you but I get like it. Oasis so it's fine you had a bit of a wobble back in the 90s Anna it's okay <laughs> Mumford and Sons are okay. not the 90s they were like a I was trying later. to forgive you no I'm sorry there's no forgiving you after all <laughs> But I'm going to stick to what Simon said. They're nice fellas, and let's leave it there. Okay. They're nice human beings, but nothing against them personally. Well, I don't know. I think they well, I don't know. And I hope they burn those hats, because, I don't know, the hats were triggering. Mm. Just really got me a bit riled up about that. Okay, should we move on? Jeff and has got hats, a bit like No. <laughs> Jeff's strawberry shortcake. <laughs> and he's never worn a fucking stupid fedora like that. No. Oh, the fedora is okay, fair. <laughs> You know, the, the dickish right. fedora. I can't do it. I can't do it. Over to you with Liberty Song. All right. Here's another one with a cracking intro, which you can imagine being at the beginning of any kind of movie or TV show. A proper stomp along the chorus. I'm going to do this. Well. It's great, yeah. If only... I'm only going to do it to put a level of song at the beginning. You're going to do what? Write a movie? I'm going to write some kind of screenplay of something just so I can awesome. put this song at the beginning. So what would be happening in this bit? I don't know, like something frantic, you know, someone going somewhere very montagey, you know, opening the scene without having to waste too much time explaining stuff. It's all just like looking for the can opener in the yeah, rushing around, drawer. getting yes. out of your house, missing that bus, running. Yeah, here. Thank you, John. You've made it once again. Oh, I mean, I think the great thing about seeing the level of live, and if you can ever, you know, 
see them live do because they kind of cut their teeth on the live scene. They weren't... Like, apparently the story is um, that uh, it was horrendous to go into the studio at the beginning. Like, the, the producer was, was saying, oh, God, the drummer's fucking all over the place. You know, you sort him out. And he was like, I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. I've only played live. No one had any experience. Um, oh, you're talking about studios. Right? Yes, I was about to say. Go, go on. ahead. No, you go for it. I no, you. It's in my notes. No, you. Uh, <laughs> studio, studio. It's in Brighton. They bought a place. They bought a derelict factory, didn't they? In yes. Brighton. The Met. What was it called? The Metway or something? Metway. Yeah. Metway. I can't find my notes. So. <laughs> yes. They have a studio and it's called Metway, and now they record them themselves. And didn't they also like? So they had their space. They had like a bar. Well, obviously the recording studio bit, like a bar. Um, Gym, no, probably not a gym. <laughs> they had a bunch of things, and then Some they gym. like the space gin. gin. They had the the, the 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 extra space they gave to so like little craft businesses and things, and then some like anarchist newspaper was also in there, I think. I know, I mean, what a brilliant place to work. It's going to make it my life mission to go and get a job there, hang out with the anarchists. <laughs> Let me talk about this track before we lose it. Um, Anthemic is what I have in my notes. It doesn't even cover it anyway. Uh, looking back at better times and wishing things could be more simple before the government got all up in your shit and uh, took away your liberties, uh, which is the title of the song Liberty Song. Um, but I think this one could well be about their identity as well, and the fact that the press were, you know, have always been really kind of shit to them, and they haven't, you know, in turn then been particularly helpful. Uh, wanting to give them anything and you know what the press are like quite vindictive like that if you're not going to play ball they're like right well we're going to write you bet you we're going to say you're really fucking shit even if we like you which is a shame yeah what's worse though poo in the post <laughs> bad review I think I think the levellers were rightly aggrieved where it's like you're having a go at us because you don't like us but that's not what your magazine's about it's about the music you know you're getting it a bit twisted sort of thing oh but it's, it's alright to slag off Mumford and Sons is it Always, because they are shit. <laughs> when it's right, it's right. Um, but I, I think Mark then come back and said, actually, I, I now, I now look back on those days with nostalgia because those guys who wrote for those papers at least knew what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. Now it's just social media; anyone can say any fucking shit, and you know, you get cancelled and this and that. So easy. There's no comeback, and no one's got any professionalism. So even though I disagreed with what journalists were doing and stuff at least they were actual music journalists and not just some dick yeah or what he said at least they were professional they're professional assholes <laughs> that's what he called them <laughs> true that I've just found my notes about the uh, about the Metway and uh, fun fact so the recording studio that they built there they initially um, they bought the gear off Tom Robinson the Gladsby Gay guy you don't know the Gladsby Gay song I'm not going to no, sing it but yeah they, they bought all of his old equipment apparently that made me think about, so, was it Alan, who used to be in the band? Alan Miles, yeah. Alan Miles, yeah. So there's, um, there's a film that the Levelers put out about Ooh. themselves. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's called A, Curi a Curious Life. You can watch the trailer on YouTube. It actually looks brilliant. I didn't have time, unfortunately, to get it. But, you know, I think I am going to because it was great. Anyway, there's an outtake of, um, of Alan saying, you know, they were like, well, basically, why did you, why did you leave? And he was like, no, I love the music. It was great fun. It was brilliant. But things just got a bit shit when, you know, we had like a record company involvement. And he said every gig we were doing, you know, we were traveling around and we were getting like 100 
you know, not a hundred grand. It was like a grand or eight eight hundred mm-hmm. quid or something per gig. So there was no shortage of money, but they were being really tight about it, and I really needed a fiver. Oh, hang on, who was being tight? The band, the rest of the band, or the, the manager. Right. And they were kind of, and he felt like the band were going along with it, and so he, you know, he really needed a fiver. So he went and asked the touring manager. You know, you've got all this cash. I just want a fiver, and he was like, "No, sorry." And then he went to Mark, who was sitting with him, and was like, "Come on, you you really not going to give me a fiver? You're just going to let that happen?" And Mark was like, "No." And Alan said, "He said it seems weird now, but like I just saw my my fist flying towards his face. <laughs> I actually saw it, and then I just punched him. <laughs> and then uh, there was a big fight, and I got my shit." And I was like, I'm going. And they were like, no, that's that's our equipment. And he was like, no, fuck off. It's my equipment. And took it. Oh, my God. And that was it. Wow. But he was like, but I look back, it was, they were good days and, and really enjoyed it. But the politics and, and the involvement of the record company and everyone getting him, he felt they got a bit up themselves. Do you know if they ever sort of made friends afterwards? I think so. He had a lot of affection. And he was obviously interviewed for the film, so I'm figuring that they... Yeah, they must have. They made yeah. nice in the end. And also, that's the beauty of like men fighting, not to be sexist. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> But, you know, when, when you're not exchanging horrible barbs verbally, you're just punching someone that's actually less to get over in a way. Do you know what I mean? There's not that personal... When girls uh, yeah, fight yeah. that there's something, then we take away and we make it personal. Yeah. So even if you make up, you're still wandering around going, fucking hell. Yeah, I think sometimes I wish evil. I could just punch someone in the face <laughs> and be done with it and move on. <laughs> sometimes it's the cleaner way of doing things. Uh, it's the levelers way, let's say, because they don't agree with government getting involved anyway. So, you know, if you want to have a fight, just have a fight. As long as it's <laughs> a clean fight. <laughs> no, Amber, no Amber and Johnny. <laughs> Wander away. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, don't okay. shit on someone's bed. It's not cool. <laughs> and then blame it on oh, the dog. Send them poo in the post. Blame it on your tiny chihuahua. How did that happen? <laughs> right, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> so yeah, Alan was replaced by Simon, wasn't he? Who, and as far as I know, they've, they've had the same lineup since then, but Simon then left for a bit recently. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I don't know if he's Depending back in or not. Depending on circumstance, because Simon's wife died. Oh, God. And um, consequently, he decided to get a houseboat. And now he lives by himself on a houseboat. In Scotland? I don't know where the houseboat is, but he said he leaves the doors open at night and he wakes up with the swans and the ducks. So probably not Scotland, I'm thinking. Mm. Swans and ducks in Scotland, haven't they? No, but would you leave your door open at night? That depends where in Scotland you are. I don't know. Maybe. He's made of tough stuff. Tough stuff than me anyway. What season it is. I don't know. But yeah, I think... you, Hannah, that's his home. There's there's (laughs) Bokey. Is it Bokey? Bokey was like the didgeridoo player that they sometimes had and I'm not sure if he then like replaced Simon for a bit whilst they were touring or not because they did a tour recently didn't they they played in Hastings which was just a little bit too far away oh my god didgeridoos back in the early 90s was so huge in Brighton I can't even describe they all used to go under the um, West Pier there was a drumming circle but there was also like you just couldn't shake a stick at the amount of bloody um, didgeridoo players in Brighton they were literally everywhere And actually, speaking of didgeridoos, I saw the levelers again, supported, I think they were supporting, no, Chumbawamba was supporting them. Oh, Chumbawamba, that yeah. takes me back. And then on the other night, it was uh, Jamiroquai, and that was the first time I saw Jamiroquai. So that yeah. was at the um, Heineken Free Festival in Stamford Park. And that was, oh my God, so good, an outdoor tent. Jamiroquai, amazing. And the smell of weed was un, unreal. It was... If there was literally a cloud above the crowd. Ah, Jamiroquai's just never done it for me. Oh, they were great. Right, should we have a bit more music? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, who is... What have we just done? Have I skipped a song? Far From Home. Oh, it's me, isn't it? Right, this was a single, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's got that bit of chatter as well, sort of a la Weezer and Nada Surf. <laughs> Different genre. I feel like it's more of a kind of a relaxed studio atmosphere like more of a jam you know yeah, yeah probably Channel one would do it loads <laughs> having a pint in their uh, in their uh, medway recording studio bar um yeah this is not my fave again it's a bit too jerky this is i think this is why i like the next album more it's a lot darker i don't know it's just i was into the oh yeah it's darker more, more angry there. as well because it after all well, yeah, yeah. So this is, I mean, it's chirpy. I think it's all about the sort of, I don't know, youthful innocence. And I like the jiggy bit. Fun times. Uh, yeah, oh, you like good. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's they talk about the river. Okay, there's a lot of water, water stuff throughout yeah. this album as well, isn't there? We could have picked several of these songs for the boat pod. We could. But yeah, but the first line got me thinking. It says, it's warm by the river, the weir keeps us clean. And this took me back to my... My youth back in, in Cookham, in Berkshire, and there was a weir there, which definitely would not have kept you clean. There was an outbreak of Viles disease, so you did not, under any circumstances, swim in the river down there. It was gross. And that's all I got on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where is this going? Oh, okay. Don't swim in weirs. I don't really like this song. It's too chirpy. <laughs> well, I like it. Good. Uh, I'm happy for you. Chirpy as fuck, I love it. <laughs> Um, shall I fast forward to sell out? Do you want sure. to talk about that? I do prefer yeah. sell out. You got the better numbers. I love them all. I'm biased, so you know I should have just let you have the odds on this one because <laughs> I really don't mind. Um, <clears throat> I'll start with the fun fact. Oh, I can't actually. I'll have to give that to you after. Um, so more rivers in this one. Oh, this is a good intro. Back. Um, so some of the lyrics are which we haven't done yet, but <clears throat> there's men in prison because they say the color of your skin is not a question. Did you rally to their side? No, you sat back and let them die. I don't know how you sleep at night because you sold them down the river. Another river. The river. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're really worried about the future of the country and, and the fact that all these laws continue to repeal people's freedoms. I think a half probably half of the country at least, didn't really understand the problem that the travelling community had as much because it just didn't have anything to do with them. You know, oh, yeah. oh, illegal raves and pitching up your caravan wherever you want. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it you was can't fringe. do that anyway, can Very you? Very fringe, yeah. So it, the idea of public land and, and, and that kind of equality, I just think it went over a lot of people's heads. Mm. The level of like screaming, this is a massive problem. And, and they're just going to keep inching away at your liberties, which is an argument that I know our husbands are balls deep in. Uh, currently, thanks to COVID, I can only imagine, you, you know they've got an album out. Um, Who? Our husbands? <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. It's going to be sax heavy, I'll tell you that much. Have they teamed up the levels? Amazing. With sax, saxophone and the fiddle. Oh, I can't wait. Gosh, the they are just saxophone. <laughs> Dueling saxophones. <laughs> It's going to be 10EG on fucking crack. <laughs> oh, um, no, not our husbands. Um, I've forgotten what I was talking about, so I can possibly <laughs> clarify who I was just talking about. Sorry. Shit! <laughs> what was I talking about? Back to you. 
1991. We do really look back at the 90s and race into spectacles, don't we? But yeah, people were having a shit time as well in 1991. Yeah, I mean, I think we touched on the issues that were going on in the late 80s when all these guys were, you know, active and protesting and, and living that life. Um, but there were camps protesting all sorts of things. Mm. There was the um, Greenham Common Peace Camp. Yeah. Uh, Moldworth People's Peace Camp. I mean, these were springing up everywhere. People were really worried about uh, nuclear uh, energy and nuclear war. And, and yeah, the Cold and War. And where we are Every, now. <laughs> I, well, the, the, the similarity, it's, it's, it's terrifying, really, um, to think that nothing much has changed. But yeah, no, I'll tell you who has an album out, I remember now. The Levelers. Oh! And uh, <laughs> I think it's called the, um, the Lockdown Sessions. Oh yeah, they they did yeah. Because Mark, so, so you know they weren't yeah. delighted about that. They did a bunch of stuff on YouTube, didn't they? I think they, you know, they, you know, like everyone was doing their little. Yeah, sort of few of those pop up on Facebook. Hmm. That drum there reminds me of a stomp. You know With the music stomp, yeah. which started in Brighton. Brighton. Well, have you seen? There's a guy that again who hangs around in the lanes. It's on again now. Yes, I'm, I, yeah, I was talking about taking the kids actually. Yeah, but there's like a real stomp guy that like has a wheelie bin and he and sits in the lanes league. and he's yeah. Well, the guy who started stomp for real, he's now like a choreographer and yeah, he must be loaded somewhere fancy. But uh, yeah, that all came from Brighton and there were loads of that uh, tin, you know, like the what do you call the burn bins? Yeah, drumming on that. Yeah, drumming on anything. All kinds. Of, yeah. It was very reminiscent of, of, of all of that. Yeah. Uh, also, um, the, the song uh, addresses deforestation in South America, stock markets dictating everything, British politics only pleasing the old ones, and uh, yeah, highly current. Now, the band describe themselves as being simply a product of our own environment. Yeah. So, Leveling the Land stands up today. So as if it being... wasn't for that shit government, they wouldn't exist. <laughs> so now we're thanking <laughs> that uh, interesting take. <laughs> Uh, okay, are you ready for the next one? Yes. Okay, another man's cause. Oh, mournful. This is the mournful fiddle. Well, yes, and um, it needs to be because it's and it's well, a harmonica, isn't it? I think it's Mark that plays the harmonica. Oh, is it? I think so. Um, I think it's about Falklands. It's about war. Um, yep. Falklands also a big big topic then well it's about Falklands and and yeah other other wars um, also because the Labour Party didn't they they got shut out of the general election because they were running on the um, you know nuclear energy worries and um, defence yeah. it's just a hotter topic because of the Falklands so it's all kind of it's all a part of the same bigger picture yeah so it's super mournful and um, Mark's I don't know if this, you know, had any influence over it, but Mark's dad was in the military. He was in a military band. Um, and, yeah, I so Mark what, was I know saying, what you're going to say. Do you? you got a fact about I don't know what I'm going to say. No, I was just going to tell you a bit about where, obviously, yes, yeah, it's a bit where he talks about your brother being killed in the last war as well. Uh, no, what, what, what do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> that his best friend is Jeff Coxon. No, I did not know that. You tell me some more his now, then. His son is Graham Coxon. Whose best friend is Jeff Coxon? Uh, Mark's dad. Mark's dad. Oh, They're cool. friends from the military, so apparently it would be like, how's your son doing? Yeah, yeah, he's fucking really famous. And, and 
Mark's dad was like, yeah, yeah, Mark is a bit. This is not a dick, though. Yeah. But yeah, Mark's like, it's funny that they both had sons who were musicians and, you know, garnered a level of fame. Of course, Graham's way, way more fucking famous than I am. So did they meet in Germany then? Because Mark so, was, yeah. So Mark was born in Minster in West Germany. And so I would think so, yeah. But then again, I think we've talked about this, but all those kind of communities um, in the British Army, you tend to get, there's only so many places you get visited, yeah. so you tend to know everybody. Yeah, so he moved again. Yeah, he moved around a bit like a like an army kid does. But um, apparently, he wanted to be in a band since he was um, age twelve. And after spending a lot of time in front of the mirror with a tennis racket, his dad bought him a a cheap acoustic guitar and a chord book. And so he taught himself to play with that book and with the help of the Beatles complete. Um, And then when he was sixteen in nineteen eighty two, let's do the maths. he apparently just picked Brighton on a map. I'm not sure how true that is, though. You must have heard a few things about Brighton. <laughs> and he set off and he started off busking. And then I've read that his first band was a band called the Soup Dragons. And I thought, oh, that's strange. I'm sure I've heard of the Soup Dragons. Um, oh, and that band was with that Bokes, got Bokey guy, Stephen Bokes, the didgeridoo player. But there's a Scottish rock band from the 80s called the Soup yeah, Dragons as well. So, um, yeah, like the Clangers had a that was from the clangers wasn't it the soup dragon character yes it was um so yeah not the same children's tv show with tiny mice that made funny noises yes it's hard to explain and they live on a moon yes it confused (laughs) me for a moment so yeah two two people were on drugs weren't they in the in the 70s in england and the fucking shit they put on telly is is deeply odd button moon do you remember that that was a bit like the little magic roundabout there's a lot of psychedelia happening oh yeah yeah (laughs) everyone on the in the bbc was on drugs (laughs) Uh, so yeah, but his Soup Dragons didn't really work out, so he then decided to go back to Brighton um, and form a band of his own, which was the Levelers. Da da. Nice work, Mark. And that's all I got on this one. Over to you for the road. <coughs> yeah. Oh, another beautiful bit of chirpy, chirpier again. A little pick me up after all that talk of war. Yeah, so the road is an ode to the street poets, the pub singers, the buskers. Um, Music as a way to bring truth to the people, but also as a way of escaping reality for a while and and coming together. Um, I think this is a beautiful song. Love. You mentioned street poets. There was this... um, Vic the Vic the poet, um, who was like one of these. You know, everyone's got their. Every town's got. uh, Brighton's got got its fair share. No, like those characters you just see around, you know, (laughs) and you know, very Brighton. Liverpool had similar, and Vic the street poet would just sort of wander around, and he'd you know pop in and out of all the cafes and bars, and you know offer you a offer you a poem for a fiver. Seriously, you lived in the most middle class fucking place in the world. No, it wasn't. What Liverpool? I thought this was um, you know where. No, no, no. What's it called again? I don't know. What, Hove? I don't know. That was the place where you, near where you grew up. Oh, no, this is a little place. This is when I was at uni. No, but where's the town? Cookham. Marlow. Marlow. Oh, no. This yeah, is the opposite Remember when Marlo. we first started the pod and it was like every single episode was like yeah, in no, Marlow? No, no. no it's <laughs> fast forward another decade. I never say it, Hannah. I just miss Marlow. I just feel like, <laughs> why can't I hear more it? about that? I know, but... <laughs> No, so, so he would hang around in the Egg Cafe in Liverpool, which the Levelers would have liked, the Egg Cafe. Yeah, are you joking? A fiver? In the mid-90s? Uh, yeah, he was very expensive, yeah. But at least he wasn't begging. I mean, he pretty much he was. was. But you got a little you, you got a little poem on a, on a postcard. <laughs> They're performing. Oh, yeah. 
A beggar is someone who's not doing fuck all. He's just sitting there going, give us a quote. Exactly. So it was an expensive service that he was providing uh, and made you feel slightly awkward if you, <laughs> you didn't want his services. Uh, no. Well, very occasionally. All the time. So after like the 10th tenth, tenth ask, you'd be like, okay, all right. And you'd do a little improv poem. And it was actually quite impressive once you'd, you know, shelled out your fiver. Uh, but yeah, this song reminded me of Victor Poet for a moment. Yeah. I feel like I was more of a leveller and if I had a spare fiver, I was definitely buying he some looked like a with it. <laughs> yeah. I never had a spare fiver. What am I talking about? That didn't happen. And I just, I did work, by the way. So I did I. I gave him That's my hard earned cash. Very good. From working the uni bar. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and at this point, I was going to tell you about Jeff Coxon. But now I can't because I already told you. Oh! But when it's over, I will tell you um, that um, I found out that Jeremy Leveller um, has a quite large, apparently, tattoo on his arm, which is, and let me see if I pronounce this correctly, and get my German mouth on it. <clears throat> it's a tattoo of a very obscure German experimental 80s band called Einstierzender Neubauten. Oh, I have heard of them. Why does it translate I knew I had. It translates as collapsing new buildings. But um, I had to have a listen. I was like, how experimental is experimental in the early 80s? Well, they made craft work look like Oasis. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got a delightful tune. Oh, excellent. For you. Give me the widget. And I think it, it serves this great purpose as well, this particular track. In that, you know, if you were one of those people that's never drunk never drunk any alcohol before for whatever reason this would be a great way to tell somebody like this is what a hangover feels like <laughs> you'll know what i mean when you hear it this is stay auf berlin oh that is a pneumatic drill i suppose that is how you are what's well, you need topple a building uh it's collapsing new buildings yeah you'd need a few of those to this is genuinely three minutes has it started yet the song this is it huh? imagine listening to this for pleasure yeah I mean you could put this into your screenplay couldn't you sort of after the intro the storyline moves along a bit well why pay them royalties when you could just get a drill it could be a horror film couldn't it actually I'll take that back guess what I guess we can be musicians after all Hannah because <laughs> oh hang oh, on it's getting interesting that's playing fast and loose what with interesting what's that killing that sounds like stomp now. Oh, I, I'm digging this, actually. This is interesting. <laughs> Great. Go get yourself a tattoo and you and Jeremy. Can we that sounds like Velcro. Stomp. Yeah. I'm going to turn it off. <laughs> I can't anymore. But anyway, oh, Jeremy Leveller bloody loves them. Cool. Uh, You're welcome for that yeah. delightful interlude. Thanks. Uh, is it me again? Oh, more chirpy fiddle. More rivers. More rivers. I'm going to let this play a bit because I, I, like uh, I like the first few lines of this. See, you can see why you can go to a gig and just have the best time. Bouncing mm. around, having a dance, singing That's along. That's what it's about. Hooray! <laughs> I met you in A2 over a crate of beer or not a few. Tell you what though, this song, I cannot listen to it without that bit. Size of a cow. This is the Wonder Stuff. He sounds exactly like Miles Hunt in this. No, he's doing it from Wonder Stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that for a fact. Does this not sound like the Wonder Stuff to you? Um, if I wasn't in Loveless mode, I would. If I turned this on the, and it came on the radio, which obviously it never would, 
Um, I would totally think this was Wonder Stuff. Yeah, I mean, I when I think of the Wonder Stuff now, I kind of in my head, I just know that the guy looks a lot like Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen <laughs> until he shaved his hair off. But to me, like I had a friend at school, Kelly, who loved the Wonder Stuff. It was her favourite band. Um, but that I, I just he had like a suit and he had long hair and he looked like Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. I don't yeah. really know that much. Size of a cow. But that's all I know about them. But I, um, yeah, I wonder when that came out, actually. That's an interesting question. Size of a cow. Okay, it was the first half of the 90s, I think. Oh, let's get 91 as well. Oh, was it 90? Oh, oh. Hardly whoa, likely, whoa. though, that either one of them, so maybe it was just a complete coincidence. Unless. I don't, they're from the same neck of the woods, kind of, aren't they? Aren't they, aren't they from, I don't know, Guildford or something? I was going to say, probably I feel home county. They sound Guildfordy. <laughs> yeah, they do. Maybe they met at Guildfest. Maybe. Maybe they recorded it at Ridge... I don't know. We should do some Wonder Stuffs. No, should we? (laughs) I guess we'll have to eventually. Hey, it's a W. We always have trouble at W. Yeah, I did love the Wonder Stuff, but then I dug out... I was looking at some of my old fanzines the other day, and I found... Because when the Wonder Stuff split, or I don't know if they split, or... Anyway, Miles Hunt had another project called Vent. And I saw them... Like the Alley Cat in Reading, or maybe the Old Trout in Windsor. I can't remember. At that point, he'd shaved all his hair off. Um, and I didn't remember the gig, uh, but the review that I wrote was really scathing. So, um, yeah, I was not a fan of Vent, <laughs> no, apparently. That's mean. I don't really know that much about them, but um, they, they weren't my thing. They were a bit poppy for me. But I'm sure, like uh, that band of guys with the hats, they're nice oh, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Battle of the Beanfield. Yes. Let us go back. Imagine there's quite back a lot to time. say about this one. Well, I'm going to keep it brief because we have actually talked about it, except in the context of a different song. But Battle of the Beanfield, a good old-fashioned shouty protest song. It's got a swear word in it as well, which I always like. That's why I like Mumford & Sons too. They've got some <laughs> sweary songs. It's <laughs> to cover for the shit lyrics. Does this, is this still Mark singing? No, I think it might be uh, Simon. Okay. Oh, yes, I know it's Simon because he wrote the song. Right, okay. And he wrote it prior to joining the band. Right. Okay. But it's been something he he was kind of working on it throughout the years, you know, in, in this kind of community. And Simon was a busker, I believe, himself. So I think he's from Derby. So when he left school, he just became a professional busker and that was his job. And then he kind of started traveling around the country and moving in these communities and then making up songs. And this was kind of his that he, uh, based on the actual um, situation, which is uh, going back to June the 1st in 1985. Picture it, June the 1st, 1985. Some fine people, travelling community, are heading down to um, Stonehenge to enjoy some good old-fashioned solstice activities, um, <laughs> as, they, as they always have been allowed to do. And actually, I remember kind of thinking... And actually, that's crazy that they're climbing around on this, mo- on this mm. ancient monument, and it's fine. Cheating in ditches. Just... <laughs> yeah, we went into that. I'm not gonna, because I want you to listen to B Pod. Go, go back, find the boat pod. It was really, it was a really um, fun time actually. There has been rather a lot of talk of feces in this episode. Happily, <laughs> happily not in the context of the music though, and that's the important thing. Um, so anyway, uh, it basically detailed a clash between the New Age travelling community um, and the Wiltshire police who were lying in wait for them and apparently spent 
thousands, tens of thousands of pounds on night vision goggles so that they would be able to spot the in fucking hippies in vans <laughs> going to have a little party. Uh, but a law had been uh, passed, uh, I think it came down from the Supreme Court, uh, or what do we call it? A Supreme Court? Am <laughs> I being influenced by America? High Court. No? The High Court, thank you so much. I uh, apologise all English people. <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself. Um, yes, a High Court injunction prohibiting uh, by law the Stonehenge Free Festival, as it was known, um, as the Krusties were on the road to crystal up and, you know, enjoy all those amazing new age benefits of just that activity. In the end, 540 arrests of people just, their, their crime, being in a van, oh, heading in the direction. Sorry, that was the bit. I love that bastard's bit. <laughs> just then, when's it coming, when's it coming? Sorry, carry on. I'm glad you were listening. Bastards! I was, I was. Apparently, yeah, they uh, were smashing people, attacking them with clubs. I mean, mind you, we're talking about a bunch of hippies. The pregnant women as well, wasn't it? Like, kids? Anyway, it's a bit of a bad... It's a, it's a bad uh, page in the history of the Wiltshire Police, for sure. Um, anyway, Simon uh, watched it on the news, and uh, apparently he, he forced his dad to watch the footage, and, and his dad never voted Tory again. That was Simon's, you know... He got Activism. something out of that there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't his only activist. He's a very active guy. Um, and then over the next few years, he wrote the song on and off until he, um, until he joined the band and they just took it to the next level. And then it ended up on Little England. Wasn't there some like Earl, I can't remember which Earl, but that the police had asked, because it was on his land and the police had asked was that his permission. Guy? Oh no. No, that's, is that... No, yeah, not, not the safari part guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, was, yeah, no, I don't know. No, I don't think it was him. The Mark, one with all Mark the wifelets. Yes, yeah. he's the one with the wifelets, isn't it? God. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, jumps out of bushes. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe he died. Exactly. Like I think he, died he did died. I think he had a good life. Yeah. yeah. No, anyway, some other Earl, and it was on his land, and the police had asked him permission to, like, go on there and, you know, like, arrest people. And he was so horrified by what he'd seen, by the police brutality that he'd seen, that he was, like, absolutely not giving you my consent to make arrests on my land. Do one. Nice. Bit of activism there from um, from the uh, upper Posh. classes. Uh, <laughs> aristocracy, yes. no less. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, that's it, isn't it? We're not going to yeah. do the. Uh, no. There were a bunch of reissued bonus tracks on. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, we're not going to. No, because we, we never had those. We never had those. We're keeping it real in the early nineties, as per the pod parameters here. But um, yeah, um, now we're kind of beyond the middle of our fourth volume here. So if you do have any ideas, uh, want us to cover any particular thing, then let us know. You can find us on email, societyosmeogenicspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, uh, which is also societyosmeogenicspodcast. On Twitter, at SomaGXP. Uh, anything else? I'm just wondering, do we have a link to the previous pod, to Lenny Kravitz? Dreadlocks. Boom. <laughs> Done. And we even talked about Lenny's amazing dreadlocks. So, Jeremy, Lenny. Nice Done. crossover. Except I'm... Going to erase that part that I said about the dreadlocks. Never mind. <laughs> Keep that in. That was funny. Anyway. Uh, right. Toodle pip. Yes. Ta ta.